of our service. Thank you, worship team. We'll open us in prayer. Lord, we just thank you, God, for your word and for the opportunity to worship. God, I just pray that this uh, cold morning, God, that this seemingly unnatural weather, God, that we would just draw close to you, Lord, focus on not what's temporary, Lord, but what's on uh, what's eternal. And Lord, just to hear your heart for us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been a good week, and it's been a busy week, but uh, we're getting much accomplished, and uh, uh, there's uh, more sheetrock that's up this week at the new property. There's more rock on the front pillars, and uh, they'll be starting Monday on our curb and gutter to, to begin the process getting the parking lot done. And I can't tell you how glad I will be to not have red dirt showing out there <laughs> eventually. Um, that stuff, when it rains, it's just like glue on everything it touches. So ready to get that done. Uh, this week we went and uh, paid the money down for our new sign being built. It, it, we have switched to a different um, place. Uh, it didn't work out with the one in Springfield after all, but... I think the Lord was trying to uh, send us a different direction. I really do. After we got to talking to the folks, we're going to be using Chambers Sign just down the road next to um, and uh, Lance that works there is Believer, and they're excited. They're actually this is the uh, most signs the size that we're getting. They they have it um, contracted out and they have it shipped in, and they do some assembly there. They actually want to get into doing production here, and so ours will be the first one of that size that they'll do in production. And so they're using a little better material and heavier duty. So we're we're getting the recipients are getting a little better sign for the a more bang for the buck, if you will. We did decrease the sign size just a little bit, and um, uh, that was part of the reason why we switched is because the one in Springfield they messed up on their bid apparently, and uh, uh, found out that the size we wanted, but it's not going to be much smaller. I'm going to tell you, it's still going to be about 40 feet long by about a uh, 42-inch high on every letter except for the G in New Song. Um, there's a banner out by the front door, and you can kind of see how the, the font and how that will look. Uh, new Song will be in the New Song green, the, the, the new green we're using, which is a little bit darker than my shirt, and then uh, the church will be in the color of the roof, that light gray, and it'll be all illuminated with LED inside, but um, it's going to be exciting. Um, so we did we did get that going. And uh, so we are excited for that. If you are available to help or to prepare meals um, out there, if you're able to help with sheetrock or anything you can do to help, we're always welcoming that. Well, I want to get into the message today. Oh, no, I have one more announcement. It's not on there yet. Um, we've been in the process. I've been working with the barn houses in the process of planning a um, I, I haven't really come up with the best way to phrase it, but more like an onboarding for, for current volunteers and new volunteers. We're going to have a Friday night and Saturday half day at Camp Eagle Rock in Eagle Rock, Missouri. Uh, be overnight stay. This is, this is your um, chance to go camping but not have to stay in a tent. So um, the, the, the only uh, caveat to this is, um, and I'll give you a little more detail here in a minute, but... Um, this is going to be May 18th and 19th, Friday night. Um, if you want to come out earlier on in, in the day Friday, uh, you'll need to pack a lunch for that because the three meals that will be provided in this will be Friday night, uh, dinner, uh, Saturday morning breakfast, and lunch. What this is for is if you're interested in helping in any area of ministry at New Song, you're invited. Uh, ad adults 18 years old and older, we're just going to have a donation box there to help with uh, some of the expense 
Uh, suggested uh, donation is $15 per adult. Anyone under 18 will be free. Um, but uh, that is just a suggested donation. Uh, you don't have to donate. We don't want you to miss it if you feel led to help in any area of ministry. And that will be a time we'll come together. Uh, we'll have a bonfire that night with a little bit of uh, worship going on around the fire. And uh, we'll have a few uh, sessions, if you will, uh, in a meeting space there uh, indoors to just discuss the future in the new campus and to get ready just ahead of us getting into that new building. So keep that on your calendars, May 18th and 19th. Uh, you'll need to let me know. You'll need to probably text me, email me, or private message me on Facebook so I can get a running list. Um, eventually, we'll have a paper sign-up in the foyer, but for now, uh, if you're interested, go ahead and let me know so I can start getting an account, and um, we're excited about that. And thank you to the barn houses because that adds work to them, but they are um, all about seeing ministry go forward, and so we're thankful for them. Um, is there anything you want to, is there anything you all have to add on to that? Okay. Uh, there's possibility of skeet shoot or some activity on Friday during the day. So, men, if you want to take a little time off from work, um, we'll, we'll have dinner and a meeting and then the campfire and all that and Friday evening. Saturday will be some more meetings and, and I don't know, we might be able to move it to Saturday maybe. That that might work. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, skeet shoot, and there's 1,500 acres there to not get lost on. Um, it crosses across two states, Arkansas and Missouri. Uh, like I said, there's some early 1800 homesteads there that are pretty awesome. Check out. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. I remember uh, when I was younger just going out there and seeing a herd of deer just walking through grazing and uh, pretty awesome. I've, I've been asking if I can go out there and shoot some of the wild hogs that uh, they're trying to get rid of. I said, as long as I can get me one of those knight in shining armor chainmail suits because I've watched the videos and what those things can do. Okay, I need to get into the sermon. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know I struggle with a couple of ways and uh, we've been talking about spiritual warfare and this is tied in directly with uh, what I mentioned Wednesday night we had a great time talking about how even sometimes our attitudes and our tongue and how we can um, really play a part in spiritual warfare either either uh, for God or against uh, ourselves and the church uh, but when we're asking for a spiritual awakening we have to realize that we are also asking for a fight. Because the devil doesn't care anything about a church that sits there idle and doesn't do what we're supposed to do. He doesn't care anything about a, a Christian by name only. Um, he only cares about those who are a threat to. This is a spiritual battle. Um, and, and, you know, we're singing songs about I surrender all. And really, if you stop and think about what that really means, you know, for a king who we're sp singing to, right, for a king, when he sends men out to battle, you talk about surrender all. I'm ready to lay my life down for the cause. I'm ready to lay it all down. It's not a matter of I'm ready to give my finances a little bit of that or some tithe. Uh, I'll give some time. I'll give a little bit of my heart and love to the people and, and then I've got my stuff. This is a all or nothing. So it's a battle. You know, that's part of what sent uh, Jen and I on the journey of I grew up where Halloween was a different thing. We're not going to spend much time on this, but many of you know that I don't try to push that on everybody else. I let them settle what's in their heart about that, but we don't observe Halloween at all. In fact, our family, we don't even do a, like a harvest thing. or a, We just want to just not even a, observe that time at all because um, evil is being celebrated more than it ever has before. Um, you can put videos on YouTube about an actual death, and before it gets removed, it'll get millions and millions of hits. People are obsessed with evil and with death and with terror. 
So, so in this message, I want to dive a little bit deeper in the time we have about the devil and demons, witches, wizards, and those things that uh, fascinate young people. Um, Harry Potter was a uh, smash hit and still you know, sequels to that. We'll get that. And I really um, strain when I hear even uh, Lord of the Rings, which um, there's many Christians saying it had a Christian theme. But you know what? I nearly had to walk out of the last one. This is, I don't know how long. That's been more than a decade ago that those came out. But it got so dark. And it just was so, and I understand that evil is dark and it was good and evil, but listen, I'm just at the point where the only good and evil I need to, uh, if you will, I'm not entertaining myself, but if I was going to, it'd be from here. Because I don't trust this world and I don't trust uh, media. I don't trust um, Hollywood to be my representation of who, who this spiritual battle, who wins a spiritual battle. And so I want to talk a little bit about this. I want to revisit a story that wasn't that long ago I preached on, but we're going to look at a, a little different part of the story. Uh, Jesus had just crossed over the Sea of Galilee. And if you remember, there's a, there a storm. And um, so he, he's tired. Jesus has been ministering. And the disciples are there. He goes to sleep. The storm, they wake him up. Hey, we're going to die. Don't you care? Jesus speaks to the storm and says, peace be still. And, and even the disciples are, who is this man that even the storms? Now, if you remember, when I focus on this story that we're, we're talking about, um, that I, I, I focus a little more on the, the, the pig herders, if you will, who were probably observing this because of the distance. They probably even saw this boat, may even seen how the storm just unnaturally just calm. But there's a little part of that story at the end that I want to focus on. I mean, here Jesus calms the winds. It comes up, but they come up on the shore on the other side. And they run into this strange sight. There's this madman, this man that, that just runs around screaming and, and, and uh, everybody's terrified of him. They try to bind him. And he's, he's bleeding from head to toe from self-inflicted wounds. And he comes screaming and running towards him. And the Bible says he was beset, possessed by a demon. Now you may say, CJ, do you really believe that, that this was a, a possession by a demon? Yes, I do. And I believe that demons still possess people today. And I hope to, if it's not next Sunday, it'll be soon. I want to get a little more into um, some touchy subjects that we may talk about, about how demons may be um, in this world and what they're doing to people that we may write off as things are natural. And it's going to be a little difficult. I was listening to a sermon by John Lindell where he was addressing this. John Lindell of James River Assembly in uh, Springfield, Missouri. And uh, you know, he just came out and, and, and pointed out some things that we sometimes say are a medical thing that he believes uh, are uh, the influence of demons. And so, uh, you know, we're in a world where people want to attribute everything to the natural and take away from uh, that it may be supernatural, and that's part of our problem. But I believe there are real demons in Jesus' day, and there's ones uh, of our today. And, and the Bible teaches that we can see it in the world now. Uh, people in the Christian life meet them every day. Because we are in conflict. We're meeting, uh, we're meeting and coming face to face sometimes with demons or demon possessed people. Sometimes we don't know it um, because we're, the Bible says we're not warring against flesh and blood, but of uh, principalities and powers and rulers of the dark places. So there is a, a devil and there are demons. And it's interesting when people say these days, and especially there is a, a movement of the atheists to really push uh, that. that that, that these are all explainable things, but when people say uh, that the average intelligent human being 
no longer believes that there is a devil or demons. And when they say that, you can just point them to a non-Christian source, Gallup Poll. Because I got to look in at Gallup Poll, and there's, sometimes there's not a real recent uh, study, but I looked in it as recent as 2003, and that's really in the relative history of the United States. That's not that far back. It's, it says this by the one who wrote it, Jen Jennifer Robinson, who did the study. The devil has received a great deal of publicity through the centuries. Through his personal characteristics, although his personal characteristics have varied tremendously, he still gets recognition. John Milton was an English poet. Um, uh, 1667 wrote Paradise Lost. You may be familiar with that. He said, he, he said that he imagined that Satan is a cunning and magnific magnificent fallen angel. So he's fascinated with him more in a positive light. The American Puritans thought the devil as a cloven-hoofed beast and uh, a dance leader of witches. And you can see that by some of the artwork of that time. Robert Johnson, who I'm not that, I wasn't that familiar with, but he, Robert Leroy Johnson, Johnson um, uh, he lived until August 16, 1938. He actually died young. He was a singer and songwriter of uh, American blues and actually still influences a lot of blues singers today. Although he didn't have a big following then, um, his influence has gone well beyond his grave. But there's legends that he sold his soul to the devil for, for success in music. And Johnson told his friends the devil was an excellent guitar player. The Rolling Stones said Lucifer was a man of wealth and taste. Gallup asked Americans if the devil is someone they believe in, someone they're not sure about, or someone they don't believe in. And in May 2001, a poll of Americans said 68% said they believe in the devil. 20% said they don't. And 12% say they aren't sure. And if you look at more recent studies from 2010 till now, where there is a dip in belief in uh, the devil or demons, it has actually taken a drastic rise since 2010. They also say it doesn't uh, matter about ages. They poll different ages. They said that 66% of people between the ages of 18 and 29 said they believe in the devil. As did 70% of those between age 30 and 64. And 65% of people age 65 and older. So it's, this belief is not a respecter of age or uh, of um, certain ages, but of all ages. And neither does higher education. So a lot of atheists will say, well, the well-educated people uh, don't believe in that. Well, that's not true either. Postgraduate graduate degrees uh, may be a little less likely to believe in the devil at 55%, but college graduates at 68%, and those uh, whose education doesn't extend past high school, 70%. So it's really not that far off in the percentage that believe. But the bottom line, this is what Gallup Poll says, the bottom line is, over the centuries, science has been able to explain many phenomena that once seemed supernatural. This is what they're saying. Bad weather, ill health, uh, heretical opinions. They may not be the work of the infernal after all. With the advent of e evolutionary theory and, and modern psychology, these days we're more likely to think of people who do terrible things as broken human beings. So they're making this assessment of what people are more likely to believe rather than angels of the netherworld. But here, listen to this. It says, furthermore, religion has ceded its civil authority. And that's true. For the most part, a lot of churches and a lot of um, followers ha of Christ have 
back down and have ceded their civil authority. And it says, and religiosity has declined somewhat in American society. So we might expect belief in the devil to have largely evaporated, but then it says it hasn't. Regardless of political belief, religious inclination, education, uh, uh, or a region that people are in, most Americans believe that the devil exists. You want to know why I believe that is? Is because they can say all day long that smart people and educated people don't believe in God anymore, don't believe in the devil. You know, if you believe in God, you should believe in the devil. And we'll look at some statistics here in a minute that says some people are confused. Because the same Bible that talks about the one true God also talks about the enemy. But I believe it's because families are being um, bombarded and attacked. And they know that there's something not natural tearing at their family. And so even though those, that, even the poll said those that aren't really religious will still say, I, I know I say I'm not religious, but I still kind of believe there might be a devil and demons. Because how else do you explain the rampant evil increasing in the world? And then we'll do this shortly. Gallup poll, this is as recent as 2016, June of 2016. 89% of Americans polled still believe in God. At least believe that God is real. 89%? Since 2011, Gallup has asked both questions of random half-samples Americans. They, they asked, um, do you believe in God or do you not believe in God or do you not know in 2001, 2004, 2007, and 2016, Gallup asked a separate question that gives Americans three options, and that was, I'm not sure. Here's what the results. 89% believed. A small percentage wasn't sure, and the rest didn't, but 89%. That's about 9 in 10 Americans believe that God is real. Now, that wouldn't follow with what you're getting from media, would it? That wouldn't follow with what you're getting even from some churches saying we're in a godless nation. We are in a godless nation. I get that. But there's hope that it, as we share the gospel that people want to believe that there is a God. But here's, I wish that was great news. But the truth is there's also another reason why some of them say they believe in God, but yet they are not professing Christians. There has been a revival in devil worship. And so there is a large percentage of people who say, I believe there's a God. That's because they're not worshiping him. They know who their enemy is. And they profess that. Devil worship is starting its own revival. And it's been spreading across America. Unbeknownst to many churches, it's actually increasing. July 14, 2016, a city council, Pensacola, Florida, opened their city council meeting by allowing a satanic priest to offer the invocation. And in protest, you had Catholic priests and Protestants and Christians and every pastor there that began loudly in protest reciting the Lord's Prayer over and over to the point that the councilman had to stand and, and to ask them, please be quiet so he can do his invocation. And they refused. And he said, well, I'll clear the room. And so, and you can find the YouTube on video and it's kind of creepy because, because the, the satanic priest ends up giving this invocation that's a song just basically as far against God as it can go. But they actually pressed forward and made sure that he was able to offer the invocation. In the past few de decades, there's been reports that villages outside of Moscow in the Soviet Union have been infested with demonic um, activity. 
And they're literally attributing that there's demonic activity uh, and possessions. And they can also attribute that some of those are where witches have moved into that community. And they're finding people being demon-possessed at rampant amounts. Over the last couple decades, one of Britain's parliament members said and announced that they believe that 80% of their youth in, the, in Great Britain have experimented or been in touch with wizards, witches, and devil worship. And you think, well, that's Great Britain, and you're talking about bigger cities, right? No, I, I might have mentioned this in the service before, but my mom went to war with the Rogers School District over this issue. You see, when I was in junior high, here in this area, in one of the Rogers schools, I was, I was told you can't take a, you, they wouldn't have a Bible in the library, but you know they had a whole sec- section on satanic worship and even a book that gave contact numbers for people in Arkansas if you want to be a part of the satanic church. And when asked to remove those because you couldn't have a Bible, they fought against it. And they remained. They did not remove them. So folks, this is something that a lot of us may be lulled to sleep about and don't realize that our youth are being targeted hardcore by the enemy in our school system. Not just about liberal views, not just about taking prayer out of school, but literally trying to not just take their focus off God, but turn their focus to Satan. In Lawton, Oklahoma, in 2015, a a satanic priest who was also a registered sex offender was given the ability to go do a book signing for his book in the public library. And when people protested, the library said, we're going to go through with it. That's his right. The devil is alive and kicking, and so are his demons. What does the name Satan mean? In the Bible, it comes from a Greek word, and the devils, uh, devils were devils or demons from another word called uh, demonia. And, and the Bible has a lot to say about these demons. It says they're capable of entering and controlling a man. They, are, they, they can enter and control you if you are not saved, if you are not um, given uh, completely to the Lord. All these Bible verses about them are spoken of them as unclean and violent and malicious, and the Bible says they're in conflict, even with Christians. Now, I don't believe a Christian can be possessed. I, I know from the Word of God, I believe I have strong standing on that, that you know, the Bible says that God cannot inhabit the same place has the devil. And so I don't believe Christians can be possessed, but I believe Christians can walk away from their faith, open themselves up, and once they have totally separated themselves from the Lord, they have opened themselves up to these unclean spirits. And I, I, but I don't believe true born-again believers can be demon-possessed, but demons will tempt you, will irritate you, harass you, work on you day and night trying to discourage and deter you. And the moment you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will know that the devil is alive and well. Now, as much as we'd like to breathe a sigh of relief, those of us who are believers, here's the danger, though. All those who don't know Christ means that they are subject to demon possession. I'll give you an example where I believe that we many times don't realize how demonic some uh, situations are. Uh, I have talked in the brief time that I've been pastor here, about six and a half years, God has led me to start ministering to people who have addictions. And there's a particular drug that seems to have a common result. For meth, many times I talk to people who they will all describe seeing shadow people, where they can understand what they're saying, but not understand the language. 
Like it speaks to their spirit and they know, but they see these things. We had a couple that came here at one time that they had a miraculous story. They were both less than 100 pounds on death's door, um, living in a tent, a couple of tents with newspaper stuffed around them in the backyard of family because they wouldn't let them in the house. And they uh, got invited to a church service and they came, but when they come, all of a sudden they kept seeing these shadow people that kept talking to them. So they told the pastor, and apparently this church was not a Pentecostal church, not a spirit-filled church, but, and, and by all accounts was a dying church. And the pastor came and said, you know what? We're going to do a rescue effort here. You're moving in with me, and I'm putting you on lockdown. He wouldn't let them out of his sight, wouldn't let them out of the house. They could go out for a little breath of fresh air, but nurse them to health and help them to, to defeat that drug addiction. And in one church service, keep in mind this church that didn't necessarily believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, or anything of that nature, but they came forward to an altar, and both of them slain in the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Now, here, here's one of the supernatural things that happened that was seen. Uh, the lady that we, were, we talked to, she said that she had um, always felt bugs crawling under her skin when she'd do drugs, so she had picked at her skin until she had scars. And when she fell out in the spirit, people watched as her skin became new and the scars were gone. See, these things happen, but why don't they get national headlines? You could try to tell it all you want, but the devil is warring against anyone knowing what he's up to and how God can save from that. Alcoholism, uh, sex obsession. In fact, in the day of Noah, this was some of the things that was rampant and caused for God to have to um, start over uh, this, this earth with Noah's family. But demons also know what their future is. They know that they're headed towards hell. I want to reflect back on our story before we get too far um, uh, from the book of Mark. When he said they came to the other sea, here's the interesting thing. There are three prayers in this story that we don't often think of them as prayers, but you've got to realize God's son, Jesus, God in the flesh is there. And he's having this discourse with both the demons, the demoniac man, and the, the village people, we'll call them. Not just the pig herders that were mad, but they went and got some of the people from the village. And later in this story, we find that the demons, when, confront, when Jesus confronts them, they're like, are you, you know, they realize that they're going somewhere and they don't want to go back to hell. And they ask God, if, they ask Jesus if they can be sent into the pigs. So literally, their, their prayer is, send us into the pigs. And their prayer is answered. Jesus grants them that. Now, can you imagine demons who their very nature is evil, who they find pleasure in because of who they are and, uh, and what, uh, where they come from, their pleasure is nothing but evil and destruction, and yet they don't want to go to hell. Can you imagine how terrible hell must be if that's the case? And then you have the people who their prayer was, Jesus, leave us alone. You're, you're running our income. You've killed all of our uh, pig uh, our pigs and our farming. And Jesus granted, in fact, he never returned. But there's an interesting prayer from the demonic man once he's delivered. In verses 18 through 20, he says, as he was getting into the boat, the man, verse, I'm sorry, uh, Mark 12, verses 18 through 20, he says, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him and he did not permit him to do so. He said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. 
And he went away and began to proclaim uh, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This is the interesting thing that this man's delivered of demons. He wants to go and follow Jesus. And Jesus says, you have a more important thing to do. You need to go tell your story. You need to go tell your story. You know, a lot of us uh, have been saved after different, different things. Maybe we weren't demon-possessed. Maybe we weren't into drugs. But we've been saved nonetheless. And this shows us the importance of us telling our story, that that is spiritual warfare. You giving your testimony is spiritual warfare. This is Jesus going head to heaven, head to heaven with a legion of demons and then begging him, please don't send us back to hell. And the most important thing at the end of this was that that man went and told his story. Because Jesus knew that that is the best way for others to be freed is by a man who has walked that path to be able to say, I, I was possessed by a legion of demons and I met this man, I met Jesus, the Son of God, and I was freed. The Bible teaches us that we contend with demons and the subject makes many of us uncomfortable. In fact, even preparing, getting ready to preach a sermon, uh, you know, it's just not, it's not something comfortable for some and, and especially think about, well, well, there's kids in the room. You don't want to scare it, right? We don't want to scare everybody. However, a person cannot read the Bible as the word of God without accepting the reality of demons. A major part of Jesus' ministry was given to confronting demonic powers, even his disciples. And if we deny that demons exist, we discredit Jesus and his good news because that was the battle. Matthew 12, 22 again, then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And again, we'll look at that a little more in another, me- uh, another message about how I believe there's many things that we see people being um, afflicted with that are actually the work of demons that we accredit to just natural causes. Verse 28, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That means when we're in the heat of the battle with enemy, the kingdom of God is all around us. The kingdom of God is with us, that, that we are not alone. I can't read about the wickedness of this, of this world, the atrocities that happened from the Nazi regime or in Rwanda and the slayings there or uh, the Serbs in Bosnia or the brutality of the men devoted to crashing airplanes into tall buildings and killing thousands. These are not simply the works of twisted minds. And I think we do a disservice to the kingdom of God and work against it when we attribute it to twisted minds or to just the Muslim faith. We need to attribute to who's pulling the strings. We know that the devil is behind that. And we need to uh, proclaim our message that, that Satan was having his way in my life until I was freed by Jesus. But they're at work. And they are content to work through people and situations to do their work of destruction. The, the Bible talks about the origin of demons and uh, hints that they were angels uh, who left their service of God during the rebellion in heaven when led by Satan. And so we know that. And we read in Revelation 12, 7-9 that, that, that there was a war in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. Verse 8, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down and that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. 
So like angels, demons are spiritual beings. They are roaming, looking for someone to, to destroy. In fact, we know uh, also that in Scripture, they're sent out to commit murder. That, that given, even though God uh, controls the keys to death, hell, and the grave, that when we walk away from God's protection, His grace, demons are waiting to see if they can murder. They inflict disease and physical suffering. Matthew 17 Verses 14 through 18, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he is healed from that moment. We see that an example there where, where demons were causing a physiological reaction, an illness that was causing harm to this boy. As I was listening to that message from Pastor Lindell, he, he gave an example that early on in his ministry before he was at James River. He said he was on staff at a church and him and the associate pastor were, were called by a lady who he could hear screaming in the background. And um, the lady goes on to tell him, says, do you believe that people can be demon-possessed? And he said, yes. And she said, do you believe that you can cast them out? And he said, yes. He said, well, I need you to come here. Because I've got a situation. My 12-year-old son is demon-possessed. And he said, like many Christians, he's skeptical because he's like, you know, a lot of people will say that. And uh, how, What parent hasn't thought their kid is demon-possessed at one point or another, right? So it, with great skepticism, they travel to the mid part of Springfield, Missouri and go in this home and the lady, to hear noises in the basement. She said, he, he's chained to the wall in the basement. And hardly believing that, he... They went down there and sure enough said had chains to the wall for this 12-year-old boy. They said that she was having football players from SMS come over to help feed him and get him to the bathroom because a man that was over six foot tall and I can't remember, two, 250 pounds, who is a muscular man, that he broke his arm and his leg sent him to the hospital, this 12-year-old boy. They had, it was displaying supernatural strength. And so... Pastor Lindell said that literally, it, him and the associate pastor, they literally had to press their hands uh, to, to be able to get them on his forehead, but prayed. And at first, uh, the, there are several demons. They begin to say, we're not coming out. And one by one, they begin to come out. But the very last one begins to speak and said, I'm the most powerful all, and I'm not coming out. So eventually that one left. The boy collapsed, and they took him and got him some food and everything. But the boy started expressing, saying, why did you do that? I like the power. Twelve years old. And the mom said, well, if he's going to invite him back, then I don't want him. She goes, I don't want him. I'll chain him back up. And the pastor said, well, at this point, I need to involve Child Protective Services because you can't just chain him up. And the sad part is that boy went to a mental institution. They said he committed suicide because of the demons that were invited back. We, we, we live in this world where, where we look at the natural and, and we may make light of it. it is, I think about growing up uh, uh, in uh, Duncan, Oklahoma. Didn't they have the Duncan Demons? Was that the football team name? I think it was Duncan Demons or Devils. And, and, and we watched the old uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know, and there's a little devil pops up on his shoulder and there's a little angel. And so, so it's almost made light of that, oh, it's just kind of funny. The devil made me do it. And, and Ken and I, I've even joked with him. I said, I don't even want to say his name, but I'll just say the, uh, the duber made me do it. So I've been calling him the duber, you know. <laughs> we say the devil made me do it. But really it's no joking matter because he is destroying lives. Literally taking the lives of those who will surrender to his kingdom. 
First Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That's why I worry as a pastor, I didn't realize until I became a pastor, how it makes you feel when you hear people saying, oh, there's this, this revival thing going on, I'm just going to go over there and do you know anything about the person? No, I just, a friend said it's great. That sometimes we get the itching ear where we just want to run and hear something because it's got to be good, right? Because it has God's name attached to it. But we know from 1 Timothy that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Deceiving, what are they deceiving you of? They're angels of light. They're, they're teaching the truth when in reality, they're leading you astray. Unfortunately, Jennifer and I have also been exposed to more um, uh, things that have happened in other churches. People come wounded that we didn't know that are very much of an of a evil nature. We have to be careful. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Yet, the Bible assures us of our victory. So we need not uh, have undue fear. We don't need to be fearful of these things. I, I remember as a kid, I've said this before, laying in my bed saying, God, if you're real, um, send an angel to show up. And then all of a sudden, I'd pull the covers up being like, oh, wait, I'm not ready for that. I don't know. It, you know, I was scared of anything that was going to be of the supernatural realm. And there's no need to be fearful because we know greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. We also know scripture says, the word tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Jesus was tempted by Satan himself and Jesus stood against Satan and all he did is quote God's word. That's why we teach our kids and junior Bible kids want them to memorize scripture so they can quote back when the enemy's tempting them the word of God. The word also says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And what we need to know is this. When a person is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the ability of demons to influence his life is squashed. And that's the point of the armor of God passage of Ephesians 6. As we put on Christ, his truth, his righteousness, his peace, and live in his presence. This is the point of today's message is that I don't want us to raise up a church who sits in the pews and walks out fearful that they can't stand against the schemes of the devil. I want us to walk out with the authority that Christ has given us to be able to speak into the lives that are being tormented by demons and say, let them loose in Jesus' name. To be able to speak the name of Jesus with authority, not feeling whipped or beat down like, oh, you know, one of the prayers that we had as a family on the way to church, I said, and just not even thinking about the sermon, I just said, God, for those who maybe would be, feel like they, they don't serve Jesus well, that maybe they don't feel like they really measure up, that they would be able to, to know that they have this authority, that they would be able to stand strong and they'd be able to receive what you have for them today. Because I will tell you this, especially those who have children who will have grandchildren one day or who have grandchildren now, is your children and your grandchildren are facing a greater and greater battle than we ever have known. Things are not getting better. And if we, if we don't 
press in and let the Holy Spirit fill us so full to overflowing that we walk with the power and the might of the Word of God in us, the living, breathing Word of God in us. If we don't commit to memory the Word of God, that's one reason we've talked with the, uh, you know, the worship team. I'll be talking with those who preach uh, on a regular basis in the church. We need to commit to memory the things of God because we are in a spiritual battle. We can't come week after week trying to remember what was it I sang, what was it I heard. We have to go out with these weapons for the warfare. And I'm trusting God to continue to lead and guide as we, as we teach and preach and as we lead worship that we are equipping the saints to go out and fight the battle with victory. Acts 19, 13-18, a team of Jews who are traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus. The incantation they used was, I command you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. It didn't work out good for them. And we know the story of the seven sons of Sceva. They got whipped. They got stripped down and whipped and, and, and sent cowering. And that's what I mean by you can't do this in name of Christianity only. You've got to press in and know that the Spirit of God is so strong with you that you know that you have just surrendered everything. And when you walk out of here, that no matter what the devil throws at you, you're not going to get whipped. Again, I think about that young man. It just, it, I never quit thinking about it. The young man that I know for a fact was demon-possessed I encountered at Benton County Jail. And I regret that I didn't, even through the glass before I was a jail minister when I met with him, I regret that I didn't uh, command that demon come out. you got people sitting next to you talking to family members. You know, everybody's hearing the conversations. And I, too, let the enemy discourage me. I don't know if I can do that right here. Maybe I'll get an opportunity later. Our primary call is to make the kingdom of God known. And how the Bible teaches us in 1 Peter 2, 9-18. I'm not going to read the entire passage. I just want to read some excerpts. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonder, his wonderful light. I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which are war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You want to know in preparation for this what God ministered my soul so much about? As I've, I've let myself be entertained by things I think, you know what? I wonder if that is hindering the power of the Holy Spirit in me. It, it might be a movie that just has some violence. I'm thinking, that's okay. That's what the world is about. That's okay. I'm a guy. I, it's okay to entertain myself with that. And I think, you know what? Maybe, maybe that focus on, on that evil or that, or that destruction is tainting my ability to walk in the joy of the Lord and the strength of the joy of the Lord, to, to let my spirit rejoice always. And maybe I'm entertaining myself by death and destruction and that's hindering me. So as your pastor, I'm telling you that God has convicted me. I'm going to start looking at more. What, what should I be getting rid of what should i be um uh, eradicating from my walk that i might walk in more strength in the lord what are the things that i need to fast or give up to be able to say when that person comes before me that i can obviously see demons are kicking their tail and like jesus be able to speak to that demon and say in the name of jesus come out and know without shadow of doubt that i'm not going to be the one cowering 
Church, we need to live in step with the Holy Spirit so full in our lives that, that people are being delivered and set free all around us. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Those are the hard questions I keep telling you. Ask yourself. Not, not condemnation. Don't let the devil beat you up about it. But for, for conviction, for forward movement. Where's our disciples? Where are the people being set free? If you ask yourself that in private and, and you, you say, I don't have any, uh, there's not anybody being set free around me, then I would just say to yourself, then the desire for that to happen will begin to birth in you a desire for a spiritual awakening. And because of that, God will begin to equip you and give you the desires of your heart and people will be set free around you. We're having a baptism in second service. And the, the young man that's getting baptized is named Scotty. How I met Scotty is Isaac, some of y'all may know. Isaac met Mickey, who some of y'all may know. And Mickey was going to jail after being a believer for past, uh, past sin, and so he was dealing with that. And Isaac and Mickey used to know each other back in the uh, drug days. And they were left as enemies. And Isaac writes to us or talks to some of us and says, you need to pray for me. This guy is coming into jail, and if he sees me, he's going to fight, and I'm trying to do things God's way. I don't want to get into that. And some of you have heard the story, and so Isaac actually gets put in Mickey's cell. But God shielded Isaac from knowing that was Mickey, and Mickey led him to the Lord. And the day Isaac, of all the guys, the day Isaac got out of jail, he was here in this for you. I just happened to be, be stopping in, and his daughter brought him right here. And he just said, I need to know more about God. He's hungry. Even today he's hungry. He said, you know, I gave him some study helps last time. And then he, he's had a few things happen. He's like, I need to, he goes, he's excited about going to Teen Challenge. The most thing he's excited about is he saw that there's 35 hours a week of Bible study. That was what he's most excited about. And the chapel services. See, when you have been in the battle and seen the enemy's ugly face up close and personal, tearing you and your family apart, then you cling to God and the Word of God. You run to Him. You come there and say, I, I need help to know more about Him and have enough economy. I never go back to where I came from. Well, Isaac has been helping us out the church recently. Even though he's got a pending court case, even though family members have shut him out, he doesn't have anything or anybody. I've been picking him up Salvation Army and, and he doesn't hide that. He's been coming out there working after he's worked a long day. And Isaac called me one day and said, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it because I've got a job to do. But I met this guy, Scotty, and, and he's worked construction. He's going to come help you today. He recruited. So I go get Scotty, and I start just, God starts leading conversation. And last Sunday, Scotty gave his life to the Lord. And so today, Scotty's being baptized. You know, God has ordained you to tell your testimony in the face of the demons and the devil that will try to discourage and take that away from you. And your story is every bit as good as mine or Isaac's or Mickey's or anyone's. Do those guys still struggle? Yes. Do we all still struggle? Yes. It's a battle. But the minute you keep your mouth closed or your testimony and the word of God, you're losing. The victory is in telling the story. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that today we are charged to go out in the, in the face of the enemy, in the face of the battle, to know that we stand strong on your word, that God is your name, Jesus. Jesus, your name is all-powerful, and that we can speak your name with authority. And God, when we tell our story and speak the name of Jesus, that lives will be set free, that the demons will tremble and they will run. 
And God, I pray for your protection over this body as we begin to focus on spiritual warfare. Lord, I know the enemy would like nothing better than to bring destruction to the home front. And God, I just pray right now for your protection and that God, each one of us would go out with your power and authority. Lord, that we would not shrink back or let the, let the devil discourage us. God, I pray you'd bring people to our memory, that neighbor, that person in the store, that one we ran into just one time, God, that you would hound us, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit, that he would just come after us hard and strong until we obey, Lord, until we release our will and, and go after them, Lord, and that we're willing to fight for those souls. And Jesus, I know you're raising a mighty army of all generations. Lord, we don't have to look to statistics, but the statistics say that, Lord, no matter what age, there are those who still say, I believe there's a God. And Lord, some may not be on your side, but Lord, we are going after even those souls, those who are defiant of you. And we thank you and praise you for what is to come, no matter what it is. We give you glory and honor and praise. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and eye closed, and you just say, I need to, I need to get things right with the Lord. I've, I've let things slip if you will or I've just become lethargic whatever it is I, I, I just know that I need to, to renew that relationship with Christ if you're here this morning I want you to just raise your hand shortly I want to pray for you thank you you can put your hand down anyone else thank you Jesus thank you Lord that one that raised their hand you can pray this prayer with me or pray your own words but if you mean it from your heart then, then God will hear you God hears you. Just give all your heart in what you pray. Jesus, I come to you, Lord, as a sinner in need of a Savior. Not just a Savior, but you, Lord, the only Messiah, Son of God. Forgive me. Lord, I want you to lead me and guide me. Be my King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can look up here. Thank you. Love you. If you if you re recommitted to Christ today uh, and you need to meet with me and talk about that, I'd be glad to. Um, make sure you have a Bible and are reading God's Word if you need help with study helps. But uh, otherwise, we'll see you all Wednesday night, 630, for another time of worship together. Amen. Have a great Sunday.